0: The Omicron variant has made its way to the Kansas City region. On this episode, hear about this COVID-19 variant, signs, symptoms, and what you should do if you get sick.
1: Whether you live in or just love Johnson County, Kansas, JoCo On The Go has everything Johnson County. Here's what's happening and what's coming up in the community you call home.
0: Thanks for joining us for Joko On The Go. I'm your host, Teresa Freed, a Johnson County resident and employee of Johnson County government. The COVID-19 pandemic continues with a new variant that's been spreading across the world. In recent weeks, Omicron has been detected in Kansas and now the Kansas City region. Here to talk more about that is Johnson County local health officer, Dr. Joseph Lamaster. Thanks for being here.
1: Glad To join you today.
0: Well, first off, um, can you talk a little bit about what the status of COVID-19 spread is in Johnson County and the region, especially lately?
1: So we know that the Omicron variant has arrived in the United States, for sure. It is rising most quickly in the northeast part of the country, but it is in in our region as well, with the number of cases rising quickly. Last week, nationally, it was responsible for 73% of new cases. Uh, that's not distributed evenly across the country, but we know because Omicron transmits very easily and quickly that it will be here and will begin to uh, be among us and have an impact on our hospital systems and on our healthcare uh, in the very near future.
0: That's Omicron, so talking generally about COVID-19 spread um, in our area, what are we seeing?
1: Well, we're seeing numbers increase Teresa faster than they have at any time since last winter, which was very disappointing to us. We thought with the amount of vaccinations we had, that we might not see as much of that happening. And we know that testing, it, because there are more people are doing more testing at home uh, with the rapid antigen tests, we probably are only seeing the tip of the iceberg and the number of uh, new cases that are being diagnosed, but they've shot up recently. Um, we think that about 99% of that, however, is still Delta in our area, while the increase in uh, Omicron is, is coming on very quickly, uh, we still think that most of the transmissions that's happening are Delta related. Um, the, the, we're also seeing an increase in hospitalizations. I've been watching the numbers just at KU Hospital, uh, and they've climbed every, they're just continuing to climb. I think it was in the 80s today uh, with with numbers of cases in the, that were uh, that were um, uh, COVID cases at KU uh, Medical Center, and of those, the vast majority are unvaccinated people. I think there are two or three people in the hospital among that eighty that are showing up as as uh, as people that were unvaccinated. Of course, we're mostly focused on those who are actively infected and can infect others, uh, including those um, who. Uh, who they're around. Uh, So that's, I think, some of the situation.
0: So what kind of impact does that have on the healthcare system? So talking about the resources dedicated just to COVID patients, but also those who don't have COVID, but have emergent issues.
1: Right, that's a very important point. So first, let's just think a little bit about what happens to a COVID patient. So if a person comes in and they're diagnosed with COVID, generally they're in a special ward, in the hospital that is dedicated to the care of COVID patients. And those wards get filled up and other wards have to be dedicated to the care of those patients. Uh, When that happens, then there are less beds available for other people to be uh, admitted to the hospital. So people who have heart disease or lung disease or uh, strokes or uh, problems with uh, their intestines, whatever they're having um, they have difficulty also finding a bed because those beds have been filled up by COVID patients. And remember, we're not just admitting everybody who has COVID, but only those that have got problems maintaining their oxygenation. So very quickly, if you find, um, if you find the number of COVID people in the hospital filling up beds and filling up wards, very quickly, you can see that this gets into a situation Um, where it becomes difficult for anybody to get a hospital bed, uh, not just people who have COVID. Now, the other piece of that that's important to talk about is thinking about Omicron itself. So we know that Omicron uh, is very much more transmissible than um, compared to Delta. Uh, And there seems to be some early evidence that the proportion of cases Uh, that need to be hospitalized is less among Omicron, but if the numbers of cases goes up several fold, let's say four times more people actually get infected with Omicron, you can see that even if only 40% uh, of as many of them need hospitalization as needed needed it for uh, Delta, if you've increased the number by three or four fold over Delta, then you can see we're going to have a real problem.
0: So can you talk a little bit about how the therapies have changed over the last year? Do we know more about the virus and how to treat it? And are there more effective treatments so fewer people are are dying because of this?
1: Yes, I think that that's right. Certainly, we've got more treatments at various points in people's therapy, and we know what works at different points. So the monoclonal antibody uh, 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 therapies work best for people uh, who Aren't yet hospitalized but are at risk of hospitalization. Uh, whereas some of the more um, the more impactful, uh, higher uh, uh, potency medications that we give to people who are hypoxic or who are needing to be ventilated or having to go to the ICU. So we we have have changed the number of, uh, of therapies we have, we and we're administering them at different points in the therapeutic. Um, the therapeutic pathway. We also now of course as people will be aware of there are a couple of new medications that have been um, that Pfizer uh, has been seeking for uh, has emergency authorization use which are felt to be effective in preventing hospitalization for people who are uh, at risk of that uh, who have multiple chronic diseases or who are immunocompromised and so those are also now available and and we hope to see that making some kind of a difference in hospitalization rates.
0: So are we we saying that early detection of of a COVID um, case is really important in order to prevent hospitalization since we have some of these therapies available?
1: Well, it's certainly early detection uh, is, is, is very important. I think the most important thing about early detection, of course, is that it helps you re- recognize if you detect when you have very mild symptoms that you have COVID so that you will not mix around uh, with people in your family or in your neighborhood or in your, in your social uh, networks uh, because you need to be isolating at home if you are a positive infection. You shouldn't be out and about. So the most important thing it does is re- prevent new infections. Um, In terms of treatment, I think that most of the time we're still treating people who are symptomatic. Uh, You know, the treatments, these new Pfizer treatments that have been released um, are still not like Tamiflu for the flu. We're still not giving it to everybody who is positive, only those people who are at high risk of hospitalization or who are showing symptoms that looking like they may need to be hospitalized.
0: And I think, you know, we've recently heard in the the call from the chief medical officers in our region that that antibody treatment is actually in short supply. Is that right?
1: Yeah, that's right. I think that, you know, we're the, the issue is that we have so many more people who are needing hospitalization now that, of course, you know, that is something that we are going to need more of. Um, you know, it, it sort of relates back to what we were talking about before if you have a, a, a rapid increase in the number of people that are hosp, hospitalized, you're also gonna have an even greater number of people who you're thinking about hospitalizing, but you haven't quite done it yet. So all of these things, the downstream impact of all these things are related.
0: Okay, and to talk a little bit more about Omicron, can you talk about um, how it presents? Because it's a little bit different than the, the original COVID virus, right? That's
1: right, that's right. Uh, we, it, it presents more like a cold, So you have more sneezing, uh, stuffy nose, uh, upper respiratory infection. You know, before we were saying, uh, look for for something like a cough or shortness of breath. But in the case of Omicron, it may in fact be presenting more like a cold. So if you develop cold symptoms, it is absolutely worthwhile getting one of the antigen tests uh, and, and testing yourself to see if that may be positive and if you need to go and get confirmatory testing. Uh, Remember that we're still considering these uh, antigen tests preliminary. However, if you have a positive antigen test, you should not ignore it and say that that is probably wrong. Uh, They're very good. All of the tests are very good about uh, detecting uh, disease. Sometimes they uh, will not show a positive case. Um, So sometimes there are people who they miss. In other words, we say they're not highly sensitive. That means that you could be infected and your uh, antigen test or even your PCR test be negative. Um, that's been the case right from the beginning. The very best of our, of our, of our tests are only about 70% sensitive. But uh, if it's if you have a positive test, you should rely on that and isolate.
0: And so it, say I test positive for COVID, but I have fairly mild symptoms. Um, how do I treat myself while I'm at home? Do I take anything over the counter? Or are there prescriptions that are being offered? That's a right, thing.
1: right. Well, uh, the main thing that you want to do is is stay at home and isolate. You want to be eating separately from and sleeping separately from the rest of the people in your family, wearing a mask. Um, those social distancing things within the family are the most important to keep it from spreading to the rest of your family members. Uh, they're the only kinds of therapies that we're recommending uh, for people who are not getting short of breath to the point where they might need hospitalization at this point uh, or don't have any kind of immunosuppression uh, are, are those. And there's there's no sort of antibiotic out there that's going to help somebody, for instance, who has just mild Omicron uh, symptoms to not progress to a severe infection. We're not treating everyone with steroids or treating everyone with hydroxychloroquine or, or any of that kind of uh, therapy where we're, we're uh, at this point, the only people that are getting those advanced uh, treatments are those that are immunosuppressed or who are at risk of hospitalization.
0: Okay. And I think you've, you've mentioned that you feel hopeful that we will eventually get through this pandemic so I know a lot of people are struggling with you know is there an end in sight it feels like it just keeps evolving into a bigger issue or at least it's not it's not getting better so so what hope do you have to offer our listeners
1: well there is some possibility as a result of what's going on with Omicron if it is much more highly transmissible it may move through the population much more quickly than than Delta did so it could in fact um lead us to a situation where we actually end up with herd immunity faster we're seeing dec- uh, case rates decreasing in south africa as a result you know after elmacon went through which is some hope but that doesn't mean of course that we want to have people go out and just say well let's just let it let it go because a lot of people will die as a result of that you know when you just let the virus run in the in the community you will have many more cases, but you'll also have many more hospitalizations and deaths. And it's that trade off that we've always uh, struggled with because, uh, you know, in this country, it's just not acceptable to just say, let everyone get sick and let those that die, die. You know, we're, we're we want every single, no, we don't want one more person to die of COVID. So, you know, at this point, I think what we'd probably say is um, and keep your chin up. Uh, do what you know to do, get vaccinated. That's the most important thing that we can do to end the pandemic is for those who have the ability to get vaccinated, to get out and get their vaccine, get their booster. That's the best way to protect yourself and your family uh, from COVID and, uh, and ultimately to end the pandemic. Uh, we, we, we still have a very high proportion of some parts of the population that remain unvaccinated, in particular, the younger populations, and if you look at the South Africa experience, that was the population in which Omicron was mostly, uh, was mostly transmitting, and still, you know, the, the vast majority of hospitalizations are still those that are unvaccinated, so that's the most important step that people can take.
0: All right, very good information. And to get more information about COVID-19 in Johnson County, go to jocogov.org forward slash coronavirus. Well, thank you again for joining us today and providing some great information about the latest on COVID.
1: Always a pleasure, Teresa, thank you. You just heard Joco on the go. Join us next time for more Everything Johnson County. Have a topic you want to discuss? We want to hear from you. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter at JocoGov. For more on this podcast, visit jocogov.org forward slash podcast. Thanks for listening.